Welcome to the Long-Term Care Chronicles podcast. Thank you for coming on to the Long-Term Care Chronicles, uh, both Susan and Mary. And uh, before we start, I'll get you both to just introduce yourselves and uh, tell us a little bit more about reimagining dementia. So Mary, do you want to go ahead first? Sure. My name is Mary Radnofsky. I am a dementia rights advocate living in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, because I am a person living with dementia for the past 15 years, and I'm interested in human rights, but in approaching people through um, creative and well-being perspective. Okay, thank you. And Susan? Uh, I, I'm uh, Susan Massad. I'm a retired primary care physician. I retired maybe six years ago. And uh, I became interested in, I guess, the whole dementia community and the arena of dementia, uh, as uh, many of my patients over the years uh, were developing memory loss and cognitive issues. And uh, then more recently, my older sister was uh, maybe eight years ago, who's been living with dementia and other friends. Uh, And I think I've always been uh, very skeptical in my life as a physician of simply the uh, pure medical model approach, biomedical approach to illness of all kinds, because I think it it leaves out the human <laughs> element. <Yes. laughs> it's, it's very, very it's just particular lens, but you only see the the biomedical. And um, so I think when I became more involved in the dementia conversations, I found them very wanting. We needed to do something else, that we needed more creativity. Many of the people I was meeting were working in arts-based program. We're using arts and bringing arts into the program. And um, I, three years ago with a colleague from the, we're from the Eastside Institute, a New York-based but international training and research center for creativity and play, performance in all areas of work. Uh, we started and launched a, a conversation, I guess it would be called, but it's a workshop called The Joy of Dementia, You've Got to Be Kidding. And uh, this is uh, what, we've, what I've been working with in the last three years, meeting many, many wonderful people. And I'm going to just go right segue into reimagining a dementia, which our, our full name is a Creative Coalition for Justice. Uh, it's an international grouping of dementia activists and allies, people living with dementia, uh, caregivers, professional and family care partners, uh, concerned citizens, older people, younger people, academics, non-academics, uh, who share a, a vision, share a, a particular um, hope for the care and support uh, that uh, people with dementia in the dementia community that promotes inclusion and relationality and creativity and joy and most importantly the possibility for growth and development for everyone who's part of the dementia community. And this is a, it was a very loose grouping of people that we've met over the last three years and as I say, many of them working in arts-based programs that came together at the beginning of the pandemic to begin a virtual long-term conversation of how to use this extended moment 
to impact proactively and transform the culture of aging and dementia and how to impact on the stigma, how to challenge the tragedy narrative as it were, or the, the narrative of simply dementia as being a condition of loss uh, that's really embedded in the, in the medical model. And uh, so we came together to, um, I think COVID is not the cause of this, but it certainly exposed many of these things that because many of us were concerned how profoundly this is this the the pandemic had impacted on older people and people living with dementia and you know just the statistics every day was alarming and people wanted to do something about it so we came together we've been having a conversation for the last three or four months and on september 8th we launched a call to action, sending out to thousands of people in our various networks, <laughs> asking them to join us in this conversation and to really see what the possibilities of what we can do together during this moment. And um, at this point, 300 people now have joined on, signed up as members. We have 15 countries represented. We have individuals and organizations that are part of the, the coalition. and. Um, I just, we've been on podcasts, we've been on press, we've been <laughs> getting the word out. And I just want to thank you, Wendy, for having us. So, you know, to be able to talk to more people about the, about the work of what we see the coalition is, is embarking on. We are just starting. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Susan, because um, I just wanted to as well ask, I guess, with now with the pandemic upon us and it will be with us for some time what are the the challenges that um, your group is uh, is facing uh, for people living with dementia as well as caregivers for uh, individuals with dementia during this time i know you're, you're starting um, you're quite international as well but what are the, I guess, this, the main themes of um, the challenges at this particular time, either Mary or Susan? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip and turn it to Mary. <laughs> I think, um, I mean, one of the, the, the key kind of elements of our program, as it were, or our call to action is to amplify the voices of people living with dementia and finding ways to share with the world what they and the dementia community have learned about living more joyfully with uncertainty and fear and isolation. And certainly this is a time of that. So I would love for Mary to <laughs> mm -hmm. weigh in on Absolutely. Uh -huh. Thanks, Susan. Yeah. Um, there, it's, a, it's an interesting question because it's something that's been affecting everybody to some degree around the world. And uh, it's the sense of isolation from other people and the breaking of relationships that normally we have on a daily basis. And sometimes these relationships are not profound family or love or um, friendship relationships, but they are simply literally relating to other human beings. And it's a need for people. And it's a natural thing that everybody enjoys. And the problem is when it happens to someone with dementia, that the effect is more serious. 
and it is more confusing and it is more disorganizing in our lifestyle so that we feel that we're not getting appropriate input or we're not getting heard appropriately or we're not getting our needs met in the same ways. And that becomes confusing and it becomes disorienting. Um, I think the, the practical issues, of course, are very important. Uh, people want us to stay safe and we want to stay away from the virus because we are particularly immunocompromised given that we have a neurological condition. So of course that's important, but it is not the only thing that's important about living. And there's all these other socio-emotional things that happen, so. Yeah, because I mean that social aspect of things is definitely the, the major, um, breaking point um, for someone with uh, dementia and as well their caregiver in case you know they have a caregiver or if they're in long-term care so then that amplifies the seclusion the loneliness the depression uh, for those particular um, individuals so like I know with your group you're more it's going to be more of an art space so what is it that I guess with your organization that you're looking to, I guess, to amplify, to really, to say this really needs to be part of the protocol for people with dementia? So there's a creative aspect to addressing a need. So yes, you can take a person who's in a nursing home or in a care facility, and you can put them in a group and say, okay, you guys can talk for a while or you can play or you can play with a, a parachute and pop a ball around or something like that. That's me mechanical. And you know, something is better than nothing. But the purpose of our coalition is really to bring together the best of these minds all around the world in different nonprofits and in different university settings and in different experiential settings to find out what we have been doing that we can bring as a group to best practices or yeah. innovative practices. Um, because sometimes one thing will work for one member of a group, but not for another member. And so it does involve trying different modes of communication, different modes of expression, and addressing our human rights to be able to participate in the community of our choice. And sometimes it's not always of our choice, but in the community in which we live. Yes. And so this this global community that that is being created um, is sure to address the multicultural aspect of it, the diverse nature of it, and of course all the ages. I obviously developed dementia as younger onset, so I was 47 when I first developed it. Um, other people who get it with age fall into a different generation and they have different interests and different musical needs and uh, different physical abilities. So our interest in being able to manifest ourselves as people, as people who are part of society and matter to somebody in some way will also be different. So we thought that bringing together these hundreds of people would allow us to develop some new perspectives on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Susan, go ahead. 
Yeah, well, I, I was thinking Mary and I had a, a very interesting, we had some very interesting conversations in the last, more recently about the whole issue of safety. You know, I mean, that the, the, that is often the leading kind of um, concern in institutional care as well as home care, as well as, uh, uh, you know, the, the care partners are, in the professional talk, the, the fundamental issue is safety, and that we have to be more creative. I think we have to bring more creativity to this because simply safety is the only issue. And, and I'm out for safety, <laughs> but it, yeah. we have to to look at what and and many people in the coalition. That's what's the other part I love about it. Are engaged in some very creative and interesting work, bringing that to institutional care, to their practices, to their organizations, and to take all that, to really use our coalition to, um, we call it, give it leverage this. <laughs> These approaches, which are, as, a, as you rightly said, they're art-based, they're, they really are looking outside of the traditional box of what we have to do is keep older people safe safe, but really sees our our capacity to to do more, you know, to have more in our lives and how to how to bring that in to and and safety too, you know, not to to do both of those things. Exactly. And this would be just for people in the community as well as in um, congregate settings, whether it's long-term care right. or retirement right. homes, right? Because right. during this pandemic, I know that in some, depending on where you are, you may be uh, entering in the, into the second wave of what they're, they're calling this, right? Mm -hmm. And you, I know, Mary, you mentioned in terms of the human rights aspect, because that is a key um, a key piece to make sure that nobody's uh, human rights are kind of trampled on in the name of safety um, so they don't get COVID. We have to find a, a balance, I guess you can say, to be able to effectively um, bring upon the, these changes. Now, are your, is your organization, um, I guess, going to like a, a state or a provincial level in terms of having individuals to kind of Look at look at things differently, to be able to bring some of these as opposed to the standard uh, practices that are now in place currently. Mm -hmm. Is that where you guys are going, Susan or Mary? Well, I think there's there's people in. I mean, <laughs> I say yes and because <laughs> there's people in the coalition that are working in some of these areas okay. that work in institutions who work in policy and who. Okay. You know who are who are who are well connected to policymakers. I think that our our kind of motivation was to create a space where people from all different aspects who are working in the field, as it were, or who are living in the field, <laughs> which we all are pretty much, be able to come together and and develop some if you want to call it goals, programmatics, uh, ways we want to address this. And many people are, as you say, are interested in doing that through arts, through but others through technology, arts and technology. Uh, do we need, and do we need, how do we connect with the policymakers to make some of this happen? What needs to be a connection? So we are, are 
at this point, we are very emergent in that. And we're going to be, at the end of the month, um, bringing our 300 plus members and anyone else who would like to join this together for some conversations. Yeah. Okay. And uh, different conversations so that different parts of the world can, you know, participate in them. Uh, because we didn't start with, we are going to do this. You know, this is, this is what. I think our mission is to impact on the culture. How you do that is probably there's a million different ways, but I think many of us are committed to finding some, some, some approaches that are working and really seeing whether those could be the rule, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> you know, because there's many, what I've discovered, there's many, many uh, creative and innovative programs that are taking, that are going on right now, if you, if you hear yes. about people. Is that the order of the day, though, or is that across the board? No. <laughs> How do we leverage those, I guess, in some ways? Yeah. Exactly. Mary? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, Susan Susan has encapsulated it quite well. There's a there's a general focus through many of the major fundraising organizations around dementia to focus on the the carers, what we call the care partners, um, and not just caregivers. Um, we don't use the term caregiver in our community because that implies a one-way direction of caring and a one person who is dominate, dominant over the other. And so we use the term care partners because that acknowledges that the person with dementia also has something to contribute to the relationship. And we get back to this notion of connecting to people and relationships. And so uh, developing a relationship sometimes with just one person if if there is only one other person in the home like daughter taking care yeah. of her mother for example um, then then that relationship can be strengthened in creative ways that benefit both the person with dementia and the care partner and we see this as as not a uh, a set of mm, tricks it's not just a bag of tricks. It's, it's actually a new way of looking at relationships. And it makes for a, uh, an ultimately mm, happier person, but also it creates a greater sense of well-being for both people. And this sense of well-being is the direction that we want to go in, in helping people establish um, a baseline of contentedness, given the fact that they are in a progressively declining cognitive state. But there are many other aspects to human beings other than this, this frontal lobe that allows us to you know, think complex thoughts and articulate them and you know, talk about complex things. So people are very um, talented in many ways that don't involve um, you know, high intelligence. So we want to acknowledge that. Yeah. Exactly. So you're basically looking at it's more going to be person-centered driven to be able to assist um, that, that, that particular person with dementia. Is that? Person-centered is, is a term that we find <laughs> ironic. Okay. <laughs> you're not centering on the person. What are you doing? Yeah. 
right? So that that sort of that that's the absolute goes without saying. Yeah. Like if there's a fire, you want to get out. That's the baseline. But after that, you want to make sure you do a bunch of other things too. You know, put in new safety valves and and, and water sprinklers and things like that. So oh, so moving yeah. moving to a uh, uh, a acknowledgement that this is a whole person. This is a person who has the right to self-expression and participating in sports and in cultural activities. And that includes music and dance and being able to socialize in his or her own way, which is not always by talking, right? There may be aphasic people or, or nonverbal people, and there are ways to communicate and express yourself and to also understand somebody who isn't verbal that can be taught in these creative ways, which also go to improve the relationship. Yeah. I, th- I think, I just want to second the, the, that I think our, you know, the person-centered is people are people and they should be centered on, <laughs> we should be acknowledging the, the personhood of everybody we, we're engaged with. I think that relation, that relationality, their relationship, it w- I would say is more the, the kind of, what I find is is often lacking, and you know that if we're, as Mary said, we both it's a it's it's a relationship, and we both have something to teach each other and learn from each other. You're not the problem, and I'm the problem keeper, but that we are two people doing this together. And I, when you know, I started beginning to work in this field. I realized that how many people are involved. It's not just even the duo. <laughs> We've sort of developed some understanding of the dementia ensemble, that there's many, many people that are part of that broader relationship that are doing dementia together. Not, you know, and, and certainly when my older sister, who lives on the West Coast, but I was very involved in her, 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 uh, well-being and care as she's, you know, as her dementia has, I guess, progressed is one way to think of it. Uh, and I realized that there were a, a, a real ensemble of people that were part of her, who were doing dementia with her that I could, I could work with, you know, and what I could do is support them to do that, you know, and, okay. and I think that families often are as isolated and, you know, stigmatized as much as the individual um, who has been diagnosed with dementia and need, they, they're doing it. They're not separate from yeah. <laughs> the person. And sometimes yeah. the person with dementia is alone. Mm-hmm. Um, this, there, are no, uh, there's a, there are hundreds of thousands of people living alone yeah. in, uh, with dementia who do not have family or support systems at home. Uh, sometimes the child, the adult child may live in another state, or sometimes there are no children or, or family. Yeah. And that becomes another problem. Um, and so it's, it's more complicated for that person to be able to find that standard of living that is equal to, by their human right, those of people who are not ill. And so we want to be able to make accessible whatever knowledge we can uh, assemble to get to those people. I, I, for example, live alone. And so, well, I have a service dog. That is one way that can 
be creative in um, making my life of a of a of a happier note, a happier quality. Okay. So when you say in terms of the individual, let's say they happen to be alone for whatever reason um, with dementia and making and still ensuring their human rights are protected. Um, in your case, you're using the, the service dog. What other examples then would be used in terms of ensuring their human rights are still validated um, with this you know, diagnosis? Technology, of course, has been uh, a game changer. Uh, if you got dementia 100 years ago or even 10 years ago, uh, you just didn't have at your disposal the same communications networks, the same um, reminders, the same uh, safety devices uh, that we have today that um, allow us to live independently to drive, whether it's to give us directions to get to the place that we need to go, uh, to communicate automatically with someone if we fall, um, to, to open and close certain doors, to turn off devices if we leave them for uh, unattended for too long. The list goes on and on. Yes. Technology has been a creative uh, uh, burst of, of fresh air for us. And, and I, I would say that the technology is needs to be available in a much wider scale and to be thinking about that, which I think is one of the, you know, concerns I have is that the, the disparity between more, you know, successful people who are doing yeah. with dementia who have some means and the people that don't is, is astounding. And how do we need to kind of begin to, to grapple with, though, you know, making some of these things that Mary's talking about available across the board. And how to popularize the technology, is. but and also the knowledge in how to use it yeah. most effectively. Yeah. How do you make yeah. it, how do you use it in the arts? And it's the same in the arts. You know, there's many wonderful music and arts programs, but they're very, you know, siloed <laughs> yeah. and they're, they're not available to across the board to communities of color particularly yeah. something you can yeah because your 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 group is international as well so there mm -hmm. would definitely be varying uh degrees of people's knowledge mm -hmm. and access to uh technology um available are you guys doing a part of that your group is for charity organization charity to fundraise to be able to support um, internationally or we're, we're, I mean, these are all in the it's all in the works these are all possibilities okay. that you could uh, you could imagine I, I do want to say one thing about yeah. the the you know I think importance of supporting the uh, you know both volunteer you know family care partners but professional care partners uh in doing their work uh because i think that in many ways they are unvalued in a very broken system of care uh and certainly uh, some of the innovative programs that i hear you know people talking about or who are involved in those i mean they are 
the whole fight is about relationality. Are you going to be able to stay with your person and get to know the people that you're caring for? Or are you going to be rotated around just for needs? Yeah. You know, the, I mean, some of the, the, the ways that their hands are, people's hands are tied to do kind of what I would consider to be a really good job and be proud of your work and to, that, that where you can get to know and build relationships with your with the people you're working with, um, are they, 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 that is part of a, a very broken system. So I think that's our interest is also trying to support some of those changes that make it possible for people to do the best they can. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. And as well, so how can then people now, I know you said you have about 300 people in how can now people become involved in your organization? Would you have a website uh, for people to go to, or is it just we a Facebook page? We don't have a website page? yet. We're looking. Okay. We're, we're, we're certainly going to be asking people when we meet yeah. together as, as a volunteer. We we do have a um, we have um, a uh, email address. People contact us mainly by our email address, which is reimaginingdementia at gmail.com. I, I think I okay. said, they can call, they can also reach me at susanmassive38 at gmail.com. <laughs> and I also put up, Mary, your uh, email address, if we can show that. Uh, but I think that that's, it's, it's primarily by word of mouth and getting more and more people involved. And we do hope as we, come together that we will be developing a website because you're right it's how people yeah. find you in this in this this day and age are you on any other social media such as twitter yeah. or facebook so i'll yeah. put that in the yeah. uh the byline so people can be able yes, to, to do that yes. and i just wanted to as well just give a lastly is just is there anything else that we just didn't discuss uh today um during this talk as to what else that you wanted to bring forth for your organization mm -hmm. mary susan <laughs> did you mary did you <laughs> so our call to action goes out also to members of the community who have dementia mm -hmm. uh, and who don't necessarily identify as having dementia because it's hard to come out. Yeah. Um, there are immediate consequences to coming out and both good and bad. Mm -hmm. um, the good ones are that you find that there is a very supportive and fun and creative community of people with dementia who are like me and still able to speak um, we, we do have certain neurological problems and getting confused with time and, 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 and other things. Uh, but we also have a way of living that is quite fulfilling and quite enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And even with the things that are happening to us progressively, we would like to be able to show the world that we still matter. And if you are a person with uh, dementia, and you have been feeling that you are losing your touch with your business or your teaching or your work or your family, then there are ways to reconnect in alternative ways that are just as fulfilling and can make you a very happy person again. So we would like to be reaching through a lot of the uh, dementia support groups. And I am a member of a few of these. 
but I've also been working with people who are uh, like dementia navigators that are going into communities to try and help people who live alone, for example, who don't know how to access the system, okay. who don't know how to access the resources. So we are reaching out in different ways, but not necessarily online because a lot of people with yeah. dementia, they're not online. Exactly. Exactly. So I just wanted to thank you both again for coming on and hopefully, um, you know, in the future, you guys can come back on to let you to let us give us an update as to where your organization is. And as I said, with this pandemic, it will be with us for some time. So I know that a lot of things right now are going to be focused on an online uh, medium. But uh, definitely, uh, if you guys can come back again and to be able to speak on this would be great. So thank you again. Okay, well, thank you for having us. <laughs> You're great. welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode and hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please leave a comment as we would love to hear your feedback. Please follow us on Twitter at Family Councils and Facebook at Family Councils Collaborative Alliance. Again, thank you.